Have you ever wanted to know the true history of Blanton's? How it affected the U.S. bourbon market? And were there people that were involved that you never heard of before? Well, stick around, because we have Freddie freaking Johnson. So Blanton's is an amazing product, beautiful bottle, and it was created as the first single barrel to be mass marketed. Its purpose is to let people see how different barrels have different flavors. Usually, whiskey is about creating consistency with a brand. Blanton's was designed to allow you to taste all of those honey barrels. And they did it specifically to bring bourbon out of the dark ages, out of that glut era. They needed a way to create premium bourbon for the first time. Blanton's is different as a Buffalo Trace product because every barrel spends at least some time in Warehouse H. And Warehouse H is different because all the other aging facilities are brick buildings. But after Prohibition, they needed some more storage space, so they started to build a warehouse that they could throw up quickly, and it's ironclad. This means it's gonna age faster in this building because it's all ironclad. The temperature doesn't change as fast in a brick exterior building. And this was how they were able to figure out that they could make a premium bourbon in a shorter amount of time. Every single bottle is hand bottled. And that's a little bit different because all the other products, they're cheaper to bottle, they're put on a bottling line, it gets filled up very quickly. These have to be done by hand because they are single barrels. One of the things that makes Blanton so popular is you can actually collect the toppers because each topper has a letter on it and you can spell out the word Blanton's. There's a horse on each individual topper, and if you spell out the word Blanton's, you're actually seeing a horse race from start to finish. So a lot of people credit Elmer T. Lee with the creation of Blanton's, and no doubt, he was a major driving force. But what we find out is, just like we teach in the podcast, that whiskey brings people together, none of these projects happen without a whole team behind it. And there's a very special person that participated in the creation of Blanton's besides Elmer T. Lee, and he's related to our guest today. So without further ado, here's Freddie Johnson. I am so grateful to be here with you today. Uh, your, your story has had a major impact on me and my whiskey journey. And to be honest, I mean, thinking back on when I was first exposed to you and the sentiment that you shared around whiskey may have been the, the, the starting force behind what became Someone Say Whiskey, the, the whiskey group, Bourbon Real Talk, the podcast, the Bourbon Real Talk community because of the concept of using whiskey to bring people together. But we're here at it's your employer, Buffalo Trace, maker of Blanton's and Pappy Van Winkle and the Buffalo Trace Antique Collection and so many other brands that are so well-loved and sought after today. And I heard a story that you are third generation to work here. And so your grandfather worked here, right? Mm. What did your grandfather do at the distillery? It's kind of cool. So my grandfather became the first African-American warehouse manager Mm -hmm. of a major distillery. So he was responsible for uh, a little over 250,000 barrels of whiskey. And he kept up with them on a paper ledger. Oh, wow. Oh, yeah. (laughs) I mean, just so you all understand, in today's time, even with like scanning and and tracking, they lose track of barrels. So. To try and keep track of that many barrels with, with a paper ledger, that's amazing. It was. So, and uh, uh, 
and then he passed it on to my dad. Uh, but what had started all of that was the uh, uh, the original folks, some of the original folks that came in here, they had built the warehouses a certain way and they shared that information with my dad on how they were constructed and where to put the barrels to pull different flavors out of the um, out of the oak. Mm-hmm. And so that became critical in creating different uh, expressions of the product. Mm-hmm. And he passed it on to my dad. So it was pretty cool. And your your grandfather actually had a relationship with Colonel Gwen, correct? Yeah. How'd, so, they, how'd they know each other? Oh, man. So those two guys met on the riverbank behind this distillery as kids. Oh, Tom Sawyer Huckleberry Finn story. Uh, throwing rocks in a the river. They became friends. And uh, Colonel Blanton starts to work at the distillery. He invites my grandfather to come work at the distillery. And the story begins. Wow. Yeah. Crazy, crazy. Colonel Blanton's family owned the land around this distillery. Okay. And uh, Colonel Blanton looked at things a little bit differently. Mm -hmm. Uh, He was a visionary. And um, basically, he saw that the thing, the way that things were, was not necessarily the way that things needed to be. Right. Which is kind of an insightful way of looking at what you're faced with in reality. And then what can I do to make a change Mm -hmm. in that? And so even though society around Buffalo Trace Distillery still had the old ways of looking at things, uh, the term is called we take care of our own. And so Buffalo Trace was, it sits in the heart of Frankfurt, but it's a part of the county. And it's the way, it was the culture that was created here. It started with uh, the two brothers, Willis and Hancock Lee. And that's how the little settlement got created, which was called Leestown. Mm-hmm. So one of the old pictures that goes back to, I think it's the mid-1860s, shows all these guys standing together in front of this old building down here. It's the oldest residential building in Franklin County. And it's a picture of them all together. Mm-hmm. And you can tell they've been working around here for years. And it showed that diversity was a fact of life at this distillery even back then mm-hmm. and very few people even knew it wow so wow. it's pretty cool contrary to probably what a lot of people think now um so your father also worked here yeah and did he do the same thing that your grandfather did yeah and so he was kind of like a, a barrel warehouse manager right like yep. mm-hmm. um and and your father also knew elmer t lee yeah and story. Well, what was their relationship? <laughs> so what we didn't know, um, for Dad and Elmer, when they started all this, they were sitting over there in the clubhouse and they're laughing and talking. And they talk about the war because we made whiskey for the soldiers. Mm-hmm. And we used the grain to feed the livestock, which allowed us to take the grain in from the farms which basically went back to feed the livestock, which made more meat. It was, it was a nice little circle, and the, uh, the alcohol produced by it, the head, uh, was used as an antiseptic, mm-hmm. and it was used for um, hardening the rubber and gaskets mm-hmm. and the equipment. The heart is what they drank, and the tail is what they burned mm-hmm. as fuel. And it was, it was like, and all of a sudden we're looking at all this, and in the middle of this, they're talking about all the different byproducts, and they talk about the war, and, and Dad said something, Elmer said something. Well, Elmer was known as a bombardier. He was, that was what he was in the war, and his, he had an engineering background. 
and dad was a civil engineer and dad was talking about it. he says yeah he said we used to go out to these remote islands and we would make landing strips for these planes mm -hmm. and elmer kind of like looked at him and dad said something elmer said something they realized dad had made the landing strips for elmer's planes that, <laughs> and they never knew that all these years and that oral history thing and they said well i'll be darned Huh. said our paths had been interacting all the time. Dad comes back from war, comes to work here, and shortly after that, Elmer comes to work at this distillery. Huh. Isn't that crazy? And they'd known each other all that long, all that time indirectly. Indirectly there. They had, it was, it was just, it was amazing um, and how those pieces started to fit together. Um, and so then they started their relationship here. And my grandfather had shown my dad where to put these, where to get these honey barrels from, um, because Colonel Blanton, when he wanted to entertain, would have my grandfather go in and pull some of these barrels, and he would use those to win political favors and to influence um, the locals with, and he did that, and mm -hmm. so he passed that on to my dad. And that's how this whole Blanton thing got started, was Elmer wanted to jumpstart the industry. Mm -hmm. Shenley was putting the heat on Elmer. He was the plant manager. And the warehouses were full of barrels of whiskey. And we got to get this stuff out of here. Mm -hmm. So Elmer comes up with this cool design. I think Anchor Hocking was the glass company that, that they were using at the time. They come up with this real nice bottle that looks like a barrel. Mm -hmm. Beautiful shelf presentation. Mm -hmm. Right? Puts that horse on top. Has to have the horse little sculpture and everything. Unheard of in the industry. And he puts it together. And he, the calligraphy. Uh, I found out uh, her name is Betty Davis. Uh, she were, she was a cheerleader for University of Kentucky, and she did the original calligraphy. Oh wow! On the label, right? And uh, so Elmer gets this thing. He's all set. Single barrel bourbon. All this uh, labor intensive stuff. And he's really pumped about it. He presents it to Shinley, and they almost fired him. <laughs> and so what happened was they were like, wow, Elmer, this is really a nice-looking product. I mean, you, you can walk into any restaurant or bar and you can see it. Mm -hmm. Man, this is really cool, Elmer. Um, it's a little bit labor-intensive. What do you think is a good price point to get a fair rate of return on the investment? And Elmer says, well, I think if we charge maybe about $25 a bottle, that ought to be pretty fair. And they said, you've got to be kidding. They said, who on earth will pay $25 for a bottle of bourbon? Yeah. <laughs> and it scared Elmer so bad, Elmer would load cases of Blanton's in his car, and he would drive around all over the country giving free pours just to get people to like it. Hmm. His business model was following what E.H. Taylor had done in the 1800s. Yeah. That's how E.H. Taylor introduced his product. That's what Buffalo Trace did. When Buffalo Trace rolled out, mm -hmm. they went around the state of Kentucky. John Baricki was the account manager doing free pours for any place that would let, let him do a pour and a tasting. Right. The view or the concept of this, this business model is... If you taste it and you like it, uh, all the marketing money in the world, okay, will not uh, suppress, surpass what you've done if you do it one-on-one. -on -one. So if it doesn't taste good, all the marketing money in the world won't Can't fix its taste. Right. Okay. 
But if I do face-to-face and you get a chance to taste it, it's a good product, word of mouth is better than all the marketing money that you can throw at it. Hey, Wes. Hey, man. I'm here. What are you doing? I'm here for the bottle, sure. Oh. Uh, wow. So you just carried all this? Well, I put them in my seat, and I uh, kind of put the seatbelt over them and things just to keep them from... But this one did fall on the ground. I hope it's okay. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, sometimes I'm you good. lose a You know, I just couldn't... Dis- I couldn't decide really what I wanted to bring. So. Well, I, I recommend that you get one of these. Oh, a Mary Poppins bag? Yes, it's very similar to what Mary Poppins would carry, except for it holds whiskey. Okay, tell me more. All right, so Bourbon Real Talk has had this custom designed for whiskey lovers. Nothing like this has ever existed before. Ever. It's been designed to hold nice. all bottles, okay? Every, so like even size, a huh? wide bottle like this one, look at it, it fits right in there. Ooh. Super tall bottles like E.H. Taylor, no problem. What about the Fits Slipper right fork? in there. Right Leaper's Fork. Oh, Look at wow. this. Even the weird shaped, like, scotch-like bottles. Hey, like this is a weird, I bet this one doesn't fit. Nope, that one's going to fit just fine, I promise. Oh, wow. Okay. And then we've got... So how many can you fit in here? I mean, You yeah. can fit six in here. Ooh. If this is something that you need because you carry bottles places... Head on over to bourbonrealtalk.com and pick one of these bad boys yeah. up. If you want to look really cool at your next tasting that you show up to a bottle share, walk in with one of these Mary Poppins bourbon bags <laughs> and just keep the bottles coming out of them. Keep just, them coming. And, and uh, truth be told, I've carried up to 10 bottles in this bag. All right. Because there's separation in between the padding, so you can fit two in the center, two on the sides, boom, yeah. 10 bottles. Boom. That's everything you need. Okay? Everything you need. That's what we're here for, to keep you hooked up with all the cool bourbon lover Chachkis. Chachkis. And also check out the other great things that are on bourbonrealtalk.com. Yeah, do it. I'll see y'all later. So I think a lot of people are quick to credit Elmer T. Lee with the creation of Blanton's, and they are quick to um, quick to attribute some of the whiskey renaissance that we are experiencing now to the creation of Blanton's and other premium brands and small batches and things like that, uh, rightly so. Do you feel, what what role did your father play that you feel like maybe people haven't heard as much about? I don't think it's really just one person. Sure. Right. So uh, I just, I, I, you know, when people say things like that and they brag about, well, we did so-and-so. I think the stage had been set. I think there were a lot of different piece parts. Uh, when Granddad dropped the barrels down and Colonel Blanton tasted from those, uh, Colonel Blanton was involved in kind of designing the taste profile. Mm-hmm. Um, so when Elmer came along and Elmer wanted to do something to jumpstart the business, uh, he had conferred with my dad about pulling some of those honey barrels down. And... Uh, Elmer tasted from those and realized that dad had pulled some pretty good barrels. And from that, he made the decision on, this is what we're going to do for Blanton's. Mm-hmm. Was there ever a point that Elmer gave credit to your dad for the, oh, the help that he, he had given in the process? Man, Randall, my dad cried when he did that. So um, it was a special event. They were recognizing Elmer um, as being one of only three living master distillers to have a whiskey named after him. Uh, the other two was Booker No with Jim Beam, that's mm-hmm. Booker's, and then Jimmy Russell's Wild Turkey Russell Reserve. So in the midst of um, all these folks and the reporters and the writers and all those folks, we were down here at the clubhouse, 
And in the midst of all this recognition that they were heaping on Elmer, Elmer very, very nicely, he just says, I appreciate all the attention that y'all have given me. Uh, he says, but you need to know that Jimmy is the one who picked the barrels. Mm. And my father looked at me and he said, he didn't have to do that. Yeah. It's not about the title. Some people don't want the title. Right. They just want to make good whiskey. Right. Well, that's beautiful. So you have a history of telling beautiful stories. Mm-hmm. You share some personal nice. things, some beautiful nice. things, some things that really help you to bring into focus what's important and how whiskey somehow happens to do that. In fact, that's how I was introduced to you was the documentary Neat. Yeah. And hearing the story... And if you haven't watched that documentary, um, if you have any interest in, in whiskey at all, uh, go watch it. I will warn you, if you watch it, your interest in whiskey is going to expand tremendously because you start to realize the history or the role in history that whiskey's played in the United States and how beautiful of a spirit it is to bring people together. And your story about sharing uh, a pappy um, with, with your family um, it, you know, it, it's just, it, it brings tears to mind. So I have, uh, joked, uh, only half joking that I'd like for you to be my, uh, whiskey grandfather. Um, <laughs> I say it every time I get the chance to talk to you. I was like, oh, gosh, I wish you could be my whiskey grandfather. So since you're, you... And I keep trying to get the family that owns the distillery to adopt me. Right. Yeah. Yeah. yeah my, <laughs> they my, said they didn't get my papers. Oh, <laughs> I know an adoption attorney. We'll get it. We'll get it figured out. So, since you do have a history of using this platform to be encouraging and to you know help others to really have, in my view, a, a better perspective on life, what would you like? What's your your message that you'd like to share with the viewers? Because of what happened with Neat. Um, I have been amazed at the number of visitors that have come here, Mm -hmm. Uh, but I get messages all the time and they'll tell me, I just opened up a bottle with some friends that I've been saving for Lord knows how long. And I realized I didn't even know what I was saving it for. Mm -hmm. And then the friends came over and this one guy says, and they said, well, what's that one? What's that one like? And this guy said, I remember what you said. And he says, well, let's open it up and see. He said, the guy could not believe that I took that bottle down and opened it up. And I realized that I had probably created an emotional connection with him and his friends for the rest of our lives, just because I had done something uh, that was totally unexpected. Uh, But for me, um, I almost made the same mistake again. So... What happened was I did not realize that that bottle of Pappy that I did with my dad and my brother would be the last bottle that I would ever drink with him. Mm-hmm. It just never, it never occurred to me. So um, there's another person that uh, I'm doing some stuff with right now, and uh, he'll be in here uh, in, a, in a few days. And um, he gave me a bottle, <clears throat> and... The arrangement was I was going to save it. He says, do something special with it. 
And so I said, okay, I said, I'm going to open this, uh, I'm going to save it. And when my grandson turns 21, Osiris, we're going to open it up and we're going to, we're going to do a toast. And uh, some friends pop over and they wanted to watch Neat and they had a special bottle. And we're sitting there and we get to that, that tearjerker part again. And it just hit me. I'm, I said, I'd be dipped. I'm about to do this again with another bottle. Mm-hmm. So they leave. I call my daughter up and I said, listen, I said, uh, once you and Osiris them to come up to the house on Saturday, I said, we're going to open that bottle up. And my daughter's response was, I thought you were going to save it till he was 21. And I said, well, here's, here's my thinking. I said, we're going to open it up. We're going to do a toast. I'm going to sign and date the bottle. And I said, if I'm around when he's 21, I said, we can laugh about how we had a drink from this bottle when he turned 16. I said, but if I'm not around, he's got a cool story to tell his friends about how when he was only 16 years old, he drank from this bottle with his papa, and here's the signature. So I tell folks all the time, there's always going to be more bourbon and whiskey. Mm -hmm. But moments, Randall, just like what we're having today, uh, life is precious. And I think COVID just drilled that home to a lot of people. I mean, there are a lot of family members that Never thought that they would go down as fast as they did. Right. And some that did go down that have recovered <clears throat> have lost their sense of smell and taste. Mm-hmm. And so I tell folks, you got a good bottle, take advantage of that good bottle and make a memory. Right. Because there's always going to be more whiskey. I always tell people there's no such thing as an empty bottle. It's either filled with whiskey or it's filled with memories. How cool is that? Yeah, I want to use that. All right, go ahead. I want to use that. All right. Well, along those lines, uh, if this is your first time watching Bourbon Real Talk, I'd like to share what our show philosophy is, inspired by this man right here, and and that is that we like to use whiskey to bring people together, and that's something that's important for me. I don't know if I've ever told you this, Freddie, but part of the reason why I started this channel is because um, my my only sibling uh, committed suicide in two thousand and fourteen. He, uh, he served in the military and he was honorably discharged for uh, medical reasons, but he was addicted to, to pain killers when he got out and um, he had a drinking problem and it wrecked his life and he, he decided to take his own life. And of course, that came as, shock, as a shock to us, um, you know, our family, and I wanted to find ways to get people connected so that they weren't alone and they knew that they had people to reach out to that cared about them and that that they had purpose. And I saw the connective power of whiskey and I decided, well, if I can help get people connected to whiskey, the whiskey will do the rest of the job and get them connected to others. And then they'll know that they are cared about and and, and part of a family. And so that's part of the reason why I started the channel. Um, But that process led me to get involved in social media and I saw you know kind of the ugly side of social media where they're trolls and they mm-hmm. say hateful things to people online and so I not only uh, decided that um, I was going to start some whiskey communities that weren't filled with trolls where you could have honest discussions and be new or experienced um, but I also decided I was going to end my podcast with an encouraging message because I figure if those people can be hateful to a stranger online, there's nothing that keeps me from loving a stranger. Yep. And so I end every podcast the same way, and that's this. If you woke up this morning 
and you were unsure whether or not anyone loved you, just know that I love you. And I'll see you next time on Bourbon Real Talk. Okay. Well, today has been the most stressful filming of Bourbon Real Talk history. It turns out you shouldn't bring 20 freaking people that are in love with the person that you're interviewing. It takes it forever. All right. Okay. All right. A whiskey troll is a person who seeks negative attention and uses contrarian attitudes to derail civil discussion in online forums. They communicate in ways they never would face to face because they're keyboard warriors. Their only goal is to make other people feel inferior. Hey guys, I'm new here. I just got my first Blanton's. And trust me, you probably paid way too much. I don't care much about the Blanton's, but nice <laughs> There's no way that she didn't buy that at secondary. Idiot. Oh, I know how you got that bottle. So, are you sick and tired of the whiskey trolls running your fun online? Well, that's why we started Bourbon Real Talk Community. Congratulations. Let me know what you think when you open it up. Hey, welcome to the group. Let me send you over a sample of Blanton's Gold and straight from the barrel. See how you like those. I remember back to my first bottle of Blanton's. It was the birthday to my son, and we enjoy it every year on his birthday. Congrats. So if you're looking to connect with some people online who aren't head over to facebook.com and join Bourbon Real Talk community today.